You're listening to A Playful Podcast, where I talk about everything from the wonders of messy play to stories from my wonderful but messy life. I'm Mariah, and I'm the creator of A Playful Purpose, Learning for Littles, and I'm so glad you found me. All right, let's get this party started. All right, guys, get the tissues ready because today's episode is going to be a tearjerker. No, it's actually not. I'm going to try not to cry, but I mean, I cannot promise anything. Who knows what direction this will take because today's episode is a reflection of my first year as a mom. And we are on the cusp of Andrew turning one year old and I'm feeling all sorts of ways about it. I'm feeling like he has been in my life forever. I, I can barely remember my life before him. But I am also feeling like I cannot believe how fast the time has gone. And don't you find it so annoying when cliches end up feeling true for you? Because that is how I have been feeling about motherhood basically overall. Before I became a mom, I always heard things like, it goes so fast. The days are long, but the years are short. They grow up in the blink of an eye. They don't stay newborns forever. Enjoy every moment. And let me tell you, there are moments that it felt anything but short. It felt long. It felt impossible. It felt, I don't even know, impossible is the only way I can describe it. It felt like I was never going to get beyond that minute happening right then. And it's hard and people tell you it's hard, but you don't understand how hard it is until you are actually living it. And all I can say is that, of course, it's worth it. Every time I look at Andrew, who's about to be one, it is just impossible to think about my life without him. It is impossible to think about my purpose without him. It's just hard to even remember him being this tiny little squished up baby and even more impossible to remember that he was inside me. I grew this actual human inside me. I look at him and he just seems like such an established human already. And yet just a year ago, which is nothing when you're an adult, one year goes by like so fast you barely even change your appearance. This baby looks like a completely different species than he was just 12 months ago. So this episode is really just talking about how, yeah, obviously it's amazing and this is everything I've ever wanted in my entire life. But that doesn't mean it wasn't also the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I think something I'm really trying to contribute to in society is this narrative that just because I'm grateful to be a mom and I feel fulfilled and I feel like this is everything I've always wanted doesn't mean I need to discredit or brush away everything that made it feel so impossible and everything that made it also the most difficult experience of my life. And maybe this is springing up because we're starting to get those questions of, well, when do you want a second? And I do want a second and I do want them to be close in age, but I also, I'm not going to lie, I kind of feel like I was traumatized by his birth and pregnancy and thinking of signing myself up to do that again and signing myself up for that most likely PPA to hit again and the rage and the sleepless nights, it's very scary to me. And on the one hand, it's scary because I know what's probably going to happen. On the other hand, it's kind of reassuring because I know what's probably going to happen and I know that I can get through it. Because as dark as those first few months were for me a lot of the time mentally, I also look at him now and I look at us as a family now and I feel so much joy and light inside me and I know I can get through it again and I know there is that light at the end of the tunnel. It's so much more reassuring when you've already had a baby and you can look at the baby and you're like, oh, okay, we did it. We got through it. It didn't feel like we were going to get through it, but we did. Like I have the physical evidence in front of me that I can 
do it, which is so much more reassuring than the first time through when you're thinking, in theory, I know we're going to get through it. In theory, I know you're going to get older and I am going to sleep again. But in this exact moment, I don't have actual firsthand experience to confirm this. So maybe we won't. So in that regard, I'm feeling a lot better about it. There's also a lot of things that Yeah, like I said, I just know. I just know what to expect now. Because in reality, there was a lot of things that I expected to happen that did end up happening. For example, I expected to be tired. Like, super tired. But honestly, I do not remember what it feels like to not be tired. This started when I was pregnant and has not gone away, even though he's been sleeping the night for like, I don't know, four months, five months. But I just don't remember what it feels like to feel refreshed if that makes sense. And I don't know when I'm going to feel that way again. (laughs) I also expected to love being a mom and I do. I completely love it. I'm truly never bored. I'm excited for every day and I love just like living our life together. And I know that sounds super lame. And I think this is because, yeah, I expected to love my baby, but I didn't really know what that meant. I couldn't understand how that would feel. And I didn't understand when my friends who had babies tried to explain it to me before that. I still can't even explain it now. He is everything. He is my heart. I hate that expression. He is my heart, though. He is like me. And those were phrases I'd heard before, and that sounded super overly dramatic or fake. But it is true. I just cannot sum up my feelings for this baby. And I remember a story of when I had gone to Target with my friend and we drove, we used to drive to the States from Ottawa to go to Target when you know, you know. And she had told me, you know, she was sacrificing that day with her son. She was missing bedtime and that was time she was never going to get back and she was sacrificing it in order to go on the shopping trip. And as much fun as she was having, like that was heavy on her. And I remember driving and thinking like, what on earth? You don't, you are really like this hung up about missing one bedtime? Like, what is the big idea? What is what is going on here? And flash forward to now, I completely get it. I've never missed a bedtime with Andrew. I've rarely missed him going down for a nap. And I truly cannot imagine it. We just have such limited time with them when they're growing up, when they're small. And I really don't want to miss any of it. I mean, these are things that I expected and they did end up being true and I would expect that moving forward as well. On the other hand, there are some things that I didn't expect that did end up happening as well. I didn't expect to be scared to have another baby. I love having a baby so much that it's very interesting that that didn't cover up all the pain and trauma that went into bringing him here because I'd always heard before, oh, you forget, it's nature's way. But that is not my experience. Sure, I'm forgetting some of the details. Like I can't remember the exact timeline of when Andrew got his first bath. And I can't exactly figure out how long it was before they pushed me into the shower. But I am not forgetting the fear and I am not forgetting the pain. So this is something I didn't expect because I'm pretty sure everyone told me, no, no, your brain blocks it out so that you have another baby. And it is not blocked out for me. In fact, when I think about it, I just get all those feelings rushing back up into me again. I also didn't expect to be so consumed, I guess is the best word, by him. And it's really hard for me to switch my brain off of him. Unless I'm fully immersed in my work and he is sleeping soundly and 
I'm doing something that really captures my attention, he is always on my mind. Even when I'm out on errands or in the shower or making dinner or watching TV or trying to read something or scrolling Instagram, it's just like this little voice in the back of my head or almost like I can see his picture in my mind all the time thinking about him. Whether I'm calculating sleep or I'm thinking about activities for him or I'm wondering how he's feeling or this, that, the other, I'm just always consumed with thoughts about him. And I do not think this is necessarily a super healthy way to be. It is most definitely a symptom of my PPA. And my PPA is something I have been quite honest about um, since I gave birth to him. And it is something that, yeah, we've been working through with my medical team and with my family and my support system and all of that. So we're doing good. (laughs) It's under control now. I was at a dark, dark place uh, just before Christmas, but it's hard. I mean, you don't really expect to struggle in the quote unquote happiest time of your life. And yet I did. And it's one of those things where I wasn't able to just do nothing. I had to care for this small baby. And it was really hard when your patience is, you know, record thin. And yet this little being who you love so much uh, is, is here and requiring everything from you, but you feel like you don't have anything to even give. Another thing I didn't expect was for sleep to be such a trigger for me. Calculating wake windows, worrying about him being over or undertired, car naps, short naps, waking up a few minutes early than the day before. My brain hyperfixates and obsesses over his sleep. And I was reading online about this and it's really a lack of control thing, which is something I know I struggle with even before I had a baby that lack of control of there's literally nothing I can do if he wants to wake up, he's going to wake up. And the thing that I think bothered me was just how much sleep directly impacted, of course, him and his mood and his development, but also me. So we actually stopped tracking his sleep once he got to two consistent naps about a month or two ago. And it was just so liberating because the reality was nothing was really changing. He was still sleeping as much as he was going to sleep. But I was no longer hyper fixated on those exact numbers. We're a lot more general now. It's a lot more relaxed. It's a lot easier in a way to manage because I can't fixate on something. I also didn't expect for there to always be something going on. Teething, a sleep regression, a cold, a leap, another tooth. There always seems to be something going on that affects the baby. And it's pretty rare that everything is a-okay. But on those weeks, it feels like everything is right in the world. The stars have aligned. We are thriving. Everybody's happy. We are just like the best family ever. But those moments are rare. It seems like maybe we'll get a few great days and then boom, another tooth pokes through. The last thing I didn't really expect was to suddenly be so bad at keeping in touch with people. I feel like my day is just maxed out between my immediate family, my extended family, daily life, running a business, being a mom. I am always doing something. And don't get me wrong, this is the way I like to live my life. I thrive on a full schedule. I like that there's always like a minimum of four tasks I could be doing in my business during each nap. And I think this is likely the main reason why I'm never bored at being at home with him, because there's always something to challenge me, to keep me busy, to motivate me, keep me on my toes, keep me learning and growing. So even though I am raising him and focusing on being home with him, I also have that kind of career part of my life fulfilled because I'm doing both at the same time. 
But what this means is that I am horrible at remembering to text people back, at instigating conversations with my favorite people, at just having general talks going on. I'm horrible at keeping in touch. And I know that my people are so supportive of this and everyone understands. But then I kind of feel bad that I've lost that part of myself and that the weight of my social life is definitely less of a priority in my life right now. And sometimes it's okay to mourn that. It's okay to be like, oh, my life is different now. My priorities are different now. I really wouldn't change it because if I was going to increase that, I'd have to decrease something else. And I like everything that's got going on. It's just something I've noticed, something that has changed since I've become a mom. And like I said at the beginning, it seems like this little baby who I'm looking at right now as he finishes up his nap on the monitor and I'll have to go wake him up in just a few minutes. He's really not so little anymore. and It feels like he's been a part of my life forever, but at the same time, I can't believe it's already been a year. The tears are coming. I feel them. Mariah, keep it together. We are finishing up the episode strong. (laughs) So those cliches I mentioned at the beginning, they're annoyingly accurate. And the reality is cliches exist for a reason. And uh, I'm here to say that I can definitely agree that for me, most of them are true. So I want to know, have you heard any of these cliches before, whether you're a parent or want to be a parent one day or just any sort of cliche? I'd love to hear the ones that grind your gears the most. I'm actually going to be sending out an email, I think next week, about another uh, cliche kind of saying that really grinds my gears accountability buddies stay tuned for that and yeah selfishly i'd be very entertained to know if you found these cliches are annoying at the time and now find them to be true so definitely connect with me send me a message send me an email i'd love to know what you heard what you feel and yeah let's talk about it let's keep this conversation going And that brings us to the end of this episode of A Playful Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, sparkle and shine.